playoff time in the NBA and NHL. Baseball's in full swing, and FanDuel is your place to bet on every game. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. That's $150, win or lose. Bet on everything from slap shots to home runs to slam dunks on an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. What are you waiting for? Visit FanDuel.com slash Fred and make your first bet an automatic win. FanDuel, America's number one sports book. 21 plus in President, Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Hope is here. Gambling helpline MA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Play. Boston, the greatest sports town in America. Some of the biggest moments in sports history have happened right here in the hub. Just a game. It has been 86 years. It's a way of life. And for the first time since 1918, the Boston Red Sox are champions of baseball. Boston pride runs deep. He scrambles away from one hit. Look, unfortunate a deep one for the end zone. Palin is down there. a new home for sports 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 and mikhail is uh, guarding worthy who is trying to put the ball on the play and it goes quickly and now to magic back over to worthy and it's picked off caught the head and then he lays it off and in it's all tied up history is being made once again i believe it's going to be called a fumble it is with the launch of boston's first fm all sports radio station has a new home for sports. The 1-0 delivery to Fisk. He swings, long drive, left field. If it stays fair, it's gone. Home run! The Red Sox win! And the series is tied three games to beat. History, 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 history is being made again. And the Boston Celtics have done it again. Another duel. With the launch of Boston's first FM all-sports radio station. This Ken Walter will hold Lonnie is the new flagship station for the New England Patriots. Adam 48-yard field goal attempt. Set to go. Snap ball down. Kick up. Kick is on the way. And it is This is the new flagship station for the Boston Bruins. This is 98.5. Sports Hub, Boston's new home for sports. Not so new anymore. Still Boston's home for sports, I hope. Ten years in. Happy anniversary. What's up, Boston? This hour brought to you by Safety Insurance, providing comprehensive coverage for your family and small business. Ask your independent agent about safety. It is the Sports Hub's 10th anniversary today on August 13th of 2019. It's been 10 years since we launched the station. Thank you, Hardy. Thank you. Did you see this uh, on BCN? We are presented commercial free today by Aaron's, the king of snow. Buy your Aaron snow thrower this tax free weekend that is coming up. And uh, yeah, 
So yeah. buckle up. We got four hours Get of ready. fun here. Get um, ready. We're not taking a commercial here for four hours. <laughs> four <laughs> hours of us. <laughs> okay. I got I got largemouth Gatorade jugs here. I'm ready to <laughs> Dwight Schrute this thing. Uh, I went with the five-gallon go. uh, Home Depot bucket. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I bought a uh, bleacher, buddy. I had an <laughs> Amazon Prime to the house yesterday. I've got that thing strapped on right now. We should got a poop chair. Good. It's like a Jimmy Buffett concert. Yeah. With the, with the, with the five-gallon bucket yeah, with a little the five, toilet paper rolled Yeah, with the, the pool noodle Just around the top. Think of it like being up in a deer blind for the next four hours. That's all it is. Oh, my God. We're going God. hunting. All right. Uh, so we've got a lot to get to and a lot to cover from the last 10 years, both in the history of this station and, of course, in the history of Boston sports over the last 10 years. But I think we should start with this. What were you doing 10 years ago before we started this station? Oof. I heard Toucher and Rich say this morning, and by the way, they did a fabulous job on their show yeah. the last three hours covering the last 10 years. And we have things from their show that we will cover during our show as well. They knew... Six months in advance? Hardy, yeah. you were at WBCN. Did you know six months in advance of the station flip that I, was coming? I was listening this morning. Touch and Rich did a fantastic show this morning. And But when they said that, that they got you know brought into the office in like January or February of that year, my ears perked up. I'm like, what? Because the only inklings that we had, and there's always rumors yeah, yeah. in radio. You know, there's rumors for years about who's getting hired and who's doing what. Oh. But the only inkling we had was that at some point they came in, they, the mysterious they. The powers just that be. guys working in the building came and scraped off WBCN from, like, the 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 etchings on the windows and of the studio windows and replaced it with CBS radio. I'm like, that's odd. But they were doing it like they were doing it in yeah. a, like all parts of the building. It seemed like, yeah. but they were taking like station logos off the window and replacing it with this CBS radio logo. I'm like, huh? And then like in I would say like May of that year, we got a new station vehicle. But they didn't have it, you know, the, you, you see station vehicles with logos and everything, and they're wrapped. You know, they do it with this. Right. Adhesive. They wouldn't wrap it with the BCN logo. That was about June. I'm like, oh, that's not good. But these are all, like, things I'm picking up on, not because anyone brought me into an office. You didn't get a months. meeting? No meeting they didn't for this tell guy. you about how important you were to the future? Go down the hall to uh, <laughs> to our sister station down there, Adam 12, who, who uh, signed on with them a, a, a month or two ago. He was doing middays on BCN. I was the afternoon guy. You two guys are the only guys I knew from the station. Yeah. You didn't get a meeting either? Yeah, 12 and I didn't know. We found out, I would say, about a month beforehand. It was like early July of 2009. And thus began like my worst summer ever. That was my worst summer ever. Like just personal family um medical issues i don't want to get into but like just bad stuff you know had to put my dog down like that same summer just bad stuff there's just all kinds of things going wrong and then on top of it oh and and the way it was presented to us to me anyway was not a all right here's what's gonna happen you're 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 the guy you're the one it was more presented to me as well here's what's happening and you're fired but you have a chance to get a job at the news station, and we can get into this with the whole audition process because I think <laughs> I think a lot of us had to do this. You have a chance to be rehired. You had to audition day one of this news station, but essentially you're going to be fired on this day with a chance that you will be immediately rehired with the new radio station. So to me, it was not this you know, four or five months, it's going to be okay type of thing. It yeah. was, it was a, Hey, uh, one month from now, your, your life is going to change. Oh. Could, you, could you imagine being Fred though? Knowing Fred as you now know Fred. Oh, well, well and, let, and let me tell you to keep that under wraps and how scratchy he would be. And well, let me tell, let me tell you, you hear Thomas ask him how many cigarettes he would, he was oh, yeah. on. I am grateful now <laughs> for the way it went down because had I known that early on, I, I would say there's no way. There's no way I'm going to get hired. There's no way I'm going to be able to work and, and do that. It's just, it's it's not in the cards. It's not in the cards. And I would have probably... You would have left. I would have left. I would have found, uh, you know, I would have, you know, gone after that job at Q101 in Chicago. You know, I would have gone after, you know, something that was out there at the time. But given a month's notice, it's like, okay, well, I got to do, I, I got to give it a shot. What, am, what are we going to do? 
What else are we going to do? There are a finite number of jobs in this industry, especially when you stay within the market. So it's like, okay, we'll, we'll give it a shot. So in hindsight, it was better not knowing, but the the, the only other inkling I had is that uh, like a couple of days before the announcement, I had played golf with Gary Tangway. He invited a couple of people out to play golf. Me, I think, I think maybe Howie was there and Amy Brooks, just a random like, yeah, we're all friends. You know, get together and play golf. And Gary said to me afterwards, like, yeah, the reason why I paid your green fee that day is I knew you were going to be out of a job. And a couple of days after that, I felt bad for you. And I was about mm-hmm. to fall into a, a windfall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my I was God. About to make big radio bucks. My, <laughs> tra- my train was coming in and yours was leaving the station. So, I, you know, I took care of that $30 uh, fee there at Whalen Country Club that Gentlemen. day for you, Harvey. Yeah. yeah. But that was it. That's what I was doing. I was I was getting ready to go on the air at BCN, and and Mike pulled me in the office and told me what was going to be happening a month later. How are you spending your days, though? <laughs> Cherry picking over WEI, uh, talking to those guys, and of course Glenn. Glenn took me in right away once we got um, popped down at Providence, crashing myself. I ripped my uh, coffee maker. I bought a Mister Coffee coffee maker, and uh, I had a. I had two other things, like a notepad and something. I ripped everything that I took out of that office down in, down at Providence and called up, uh, called Glenn immediately. He said, hey, they popped us. He goes, well, we're going to have to give it some time here. So nice enough of Glenn to bring me in, but it was like a football Friday, and you get tagged, and Pete Shepard breaking my balls. Welcome to, welcome to Varsity Radio yeah, Welcome now. to the big leagues. Yeah, what are you going to do now? And then um, we're chot saying it's like carrying Bledsoe's bag. You can carry these, these guys' bags for a while. And I don't know if I ever work here in Boston. I don't know if, you know, it's it's kind of a smaller market down there. And this is a big market. You got to be different up here. And I remember having that discussion. But Dell knew me, were good to me. You know, they brought me in on Fridays. And it's it's tough. You know what it's like paying your, your dues in this business. I did 530, uh, at 5.30 in the morning radio down in Providence for, for a couple of years just because you wanted benefits and not having a gig. I had no experiences. They put me on air down here. Never gave me the seven words I couldn't say. I think I said six of them the first day. I have to apologize to the audience down there in Providence. Yeah, you offend all the Italians down there. Now people are out there waiting outside the place for you. But um, I remember we had our th- we we were just having our third kid. Brody was born in March of two thousand nine, and you know you don't have you know your league benefits are running out, all that stuff, and you start paying for benefits like that. And I heard inklings of some of these people having these certain meetings to formulate what eventually would come to be the sports hub and, you know, of course, the brainchild of Mark Hanna. Mark Hanna deserves a lot of credit, guys, as you know this, for putting this whole thing together. And I was on a beach in Cape Cod in the summer when the phone rang. My wife answered it. And, hey, some guy by the name of Mark Hanna's on the phone. Mark said, okay, time to talk. We're forming a sports hub. I'm uh, get me in touch with your agent. You're going to be doing middays. Uh, let's start talking money. Do I have to accept the job first, sir? <laughs> I, you know, it's one of those ones where you, okay. you, you take the phone and you put the phone down. You're doing back. You don't want to act like overexcited, but you're doing backflips and that. Like, this could be great. You Man. had an audition first, though. I had an audition first. And I remember going over to the WBZAM, or was it their, their studios? It was an old mix studio, it was old wasn't mix it? Studio. Not didn't mix had moved out of that building. I don't know where you did it. I wasn't there at the time. I know I where just, it is. You guys I know called where it me. Is. You and Tangway called yeah. me and, and kind of like we did like a little uh, so Gary, so preview. It's not, the, it's not uh, Channel 4's building. It's not Channel 4's it, building. It's a it's building that's next to it. It has corner. like a round yeah. front to it. Brick building. And it, well, that was that was the mix building. It was the mix building. And they had moved out of there, I believe. Okay. Or there was no radio station. Right, right. And uh, they were doing auditions in there because nobody would know what the hell was going on. Right. There was this odd little and man that's waiting why for me were outside. Going in and out of there, and he had a goatee and a beard, and it was a darker beard yeah. than it was now. His name was Mike Thomas, and uh, he's a big radio guy. And he said, "Yeah, we're gonna go in there." You know, Mike's. Very, very they were trying to keep things very quiet, very quiet, and hush, hush, and he's like, "Wait for you in the yeah. bushes." And he escorts me inside, and there's Tangway in there. We often do an hour. That was fun. I mean, I've worked with Gary on the Super Bowls, high school Super Bowls, and yeah. stuff, and ultimately thought, you know, who knows what this can be. I was excited, though. Yeah. Yeah, so my college roommate and my best friend from UMass worked for CBS Radio on the sales side in digital stuff, and he called me at the start of July and said, hey, I got a tip. They're flipping one of the stations to sports, and uh, just in case you want to know that. And I was like, yeah, I want to know that. I, I definitely want to know that. It's funny. I was on the Cape when he called, too. We are in the same place when we got the hot tip. Nice. And uh, It's destiny. Right? And so uh, this, I was at, I was doing updates on EEI. I was doing the sports flash 
on EEI, and they've been doing it for over about a year, maybe yeah. a little more. I got a lot of friends over there. People think you can't stand each other. No, that's not the case. I mean, this this is radio, and I think it's it's a tonic to have multiple sports stations. But. So I I did weekends, and I was filling in, and would fill in in the summertime on the big show, and I got plenty of those demo tapes, which I just <laughs> said okay, and then just sent them over to Mike Thomas. And uh, what happened was I went and. St- I didn't hear back right away when I sent it, and I was obviously sending it before there was any announcement or before there was any application process, before anything was known. And so I was sort of ahead of it, and then what happened was when it did get announced, then I got a lot more persistent and a lot more aggravating in trying to track down our the guy who's still our boss, Mike Thomas. And then he got back in touch and was like, yeah, you know, I'm really interested in talking. You know, let's, let's get together. I want to have you in. We're going to do an interview process. Great. Then I showed up in the lobby at the old building and lied to the receptionist and said, yeah, I'm here for a meeting with Mike Thomas and the receptionist who was Ben. Remember Ben Hardy? Oh, sure. Yeah. So Ben was like, sure, no problem. Calls Mike Thomas in his office and said, yeah, there's this guy, Mark Bertrand, who's here to meet you. He said he's got a meeting with you. Mike Thomas on the other end of the phone was clearly like, no, I don't have a meeting with him. And then he's like, yeah, he says he doesn't. I'm like, yeah, no, he does. I'll wait. I'll I'm good. I'll wait. I'll be right here. Got a magazine? Don't worry. As soon as he's ready to see me, I'll be right here. And I I waited him out for like, I don't know. When was this? Uh, Was this like August 8th-ish? Was that that late or was it earlier than that? No, it would have been been earlier than that. Probably probably around the first of that month. Yeah. I think I might have seen seen you in the waiting room when I was in there. So I mean, now I remember you had glasses back then. Yeah, I did. Are you wearing a suit, full suit? No, I don't think so. Business like no, I definitely would no powder yeah. blue tux. No, I, no, I definitely didn't do that. Um, and so I waited him out in the lobby, and he came out like probably forty five minutes or an hour later, and was like, "All right, come in." And so I interviewed on the spot, and then like an hour later, come he's like, "All right, I'll offer you a job. Want to come to work here?" I was like, oh, well, I don't know. You know, I'm well, over here. I'm doing this EEI thing. I don't know if you guys are going to be any good. Right. Is this going to work? You know, and then I was like, yeah, no, I'll come. I'll do it. I'll do it. So you had tape, though, for and him to listen to. Yeah, he I had, did. I had yeah. a hundred. He, here, here, here's a hundred updates if right, you want them. I've right. been doing it, you know, at EEI. So I, I didn't have to do any auditions or anything. He yeah. offered me a job. So they didn't have any tape of, of me. So I had to, like, put together, like, you know, fake sports shows, just like monologuing, and then go do some fake segments. And I and I auditioned with Dan Roach. He and I, you know, did a fake show. And <laughs> this is what we should be playing. That must have been what we should be playing. We should have. Can I tell you this though? Is Thomas still have. Can those? I tell you that people that I worked with at you know at Metro, which is yeah. where the updates came from, and people, uh, people there. And friends and family and people that had listened to sports radio every day of their life thought I was a moron. They're like, what? Oh, for leaving EEI to go there. Dude, you're 24 and you already are on doing, yeah, it's weekends and it's fill-ins, but you're you're on the air on WEEI. And you're going to give that up to go to these bums? Like, they're just another startup that's going to get crushed like a bug. Haven't you seen this movie before? Haven't you seen this play out before? Yeah. They're going to get stomped like everybody else that's tried. You know, Zoe in Providence, ESPN 850, oh, whatever it was. Um, no signal. No, 890. Oh, I got, 890s. I got offered, I got offered a gig. 1510. You've seen this before. They're going to end up just like the rest of them. I was like, people were like, you're, what are you doing? This is a bad move for you, kid. You're, that's it. Kiss that radio career goodbye, dummy. <laughs> I got offered a gig. It was at, a good gamble. Uh, eight fifty. I got yeah. offered a gig at eight fifty, and I just couldn't hear this. Eight ninety, whatever that was. Eight ninety. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. but we I, killed eight fifty. Yeah, when we went <laughs> FM. Yeah. FM killed eight fifty probably. Yeah. yeah, but I did. I did two auditions. I did one with Roach and one with Troop, and the we one, were, the, one with Troop, the one with the one. No, let me tell you something. The fact that Troop was willing. To, to do that gig and do it with me, and we were the first weekend show yeah. on the Sports Hub two days after we signed on. I mean, it was 10 years ago today, but two more days from now would have been the 15th, and that's Saturday morning, 8 a.m., Hardy and Troop. It was the first weekend yeah. show on the Sports Hub, and we kept that thing going for years and years. So, Jim, I, were you at ESPN Radio when we started? 
I was at ESPN Radio, but I, I was also I had been doing the Patriots games for three years, That's three right. seasons of Patriots yeah. games for BCN. So I had, time. yeah, I already had, yeah. So I was familiarity at with the building because I was doing the pre and post. So we would do the pre and post from in studio. You guys used to have that couch in there with the Monster Energy drink with the lava lamp, and there was other candles in there. There's stuff from Oedipus still left over. Yeah. We're like, look at these freaks, man. These people are like druggies, man. Rock, smelled in rock there. Rock and roll. And then, They're wild. Oh, my God. Who was the guy? Bradley J used to come in after uh, Bradley J used to come in after Patriots postgame. And he'd be getting his, his music ready. We're like, this is like. This the is Motley Crue looking man. guy used to come in, too, all the time. Who was that guy? Yeah. I forget his name. Oh so God. when we started, the Patriots had three Super Bowl titles to their oh, name. Six. And they were in the middle of a Super Bowl drought at that time. Yeah. And so the start of the station, there were these years where the Patriots were sort of struggling to get back to that point of winning another Super Bowl. And they got back there and they lost and they finally broke through in Super Bowl 49 when they beat the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the many great moments we've had along the way when they won that Super Bowl in Super Bowl 49. But that year was not without drama and not without just an incredible buildup and run and everything that went with it. Um, so that's what we're covering here to start our look back at so the last the Super 10 Bowl years. Forty Nine year, the entire year and everything that came with it. And this is not the Super Bowl itself, but the run up to it of that year, that season for the Patriots in 2014, before they got to the Super Bowl against the Seahawks. First, Revis Island, now Browner Boulevard. The New England Patriots have agreed to terms with cornerback Brandon Browner. With the 67th pick, your New England and my New England Patriots select Jimmy Garoppolo. After Garoppolo drops back, he looks right, he steps up, he fires to the back of the end zone for LaFell. Touchdown! Tell you what, we're only halfway through the second quarter of preseason game number two, but I think the New England Patriots have found their backup quarterback. It never matters what I think, it's always what Bill thinks. The so. Patriots have agreed to parameters of a trade to send Pro Bowl guard Logan Mankins to the Bucks for a pick and tight end Tim Wright. I had a lot of fun there. There's, I have nothing bad to say about New England. I love that place. Miami wins it again by outscoring the Patriots in the second half, 23 to nothing. Final seconds, finally, a lapse at Arrowhead. We saw a weak team, the New England Patriots. Let's face it, they're not good anymore. Bill Belichick with Andy Gresh and Scott Zolak. I've never really felt like you to have a total handle on your team until you, you get into somewhere near midseason. Tom throws down the middle for Crockett to five. Out of a tackle, into the end zone. And Brady is fired up. Tom pops, he throws down the middle for Gronkowski. Oh, makes the hit. We can get in with this one. Edelman leaps to make the grab. Comes down with a stiff arm. Edelman to the end zone. Playmaker make the play. Woo! To the main one last time. The Patriots know they'll have their first weekend in January off. They get the bye. Throws to the left side. For LaFell. Touchdown, Patriots. And New England finally has the lead. The ball's intercepted by Deron Harmon. Harmon makes the pick. And he's just clicked a trip to the AFC Championship. Laguerre blasted straight ahead. Touchdown, Patriots. Nobody wants to go home. You want to sit traffic all night long as you get ready for the Super Bowl. Right now we're up, baby. I only have one thing to say. We're on to Seattle. That was the entire year. Wow. Uh, this hour of our 10th anniversary is brought to you by Safety Insurance, providing comprehensive coverage for your family and small business. Ask your independent agent about safety. Yeah, that was the buildup to the Super Bowl. But if you're going back to that year, you can't forget about week four. Week four was such an important part of that year for that team. Mm. And it was obviously their worst loss of the year, losing at Kansas City in week four. 41-14. Felt like it was the end. It really did. I remember sitting there and talking to Bob, and you know that's the first Super Bowl we 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 called that year uh, against Seattle. And we're sitting on those buses. It's late. We're leaving Arrowhead, and I'm like, it's gonna be an awful year. It's gonna be an awful, awful year. Trent Dilfer and Steve Young thought so. Well, who didn't? The biggest story would seem is how much the Patriots have left Tom Brady naked. Listen, when you're weak, when you're the weakest kid, and you go into the bully's house, you get the stop beat out of you. We saw a weak team, the New England Patriots. Let's face it, they're not good anymore. They're 
week, and they came into a great atmosphere with a team that feels like they're in do or die situation and got after the weaker opponent. How is it possible? Oh, what it is? How is it yeah. possible with all these draft picks and all this guru stuff we hear coming out and all the personnel, you know, expertise from the Patriots and how great they've been for so long? How have they not been able to support Tom Brady? in his career the last five years, especially this year, with enough personnel to go attack the Super Bowl. How have they fallen so far? Tom gets either no help at the behind the line of scrimmage or gets no help down the field because you saw the, the tape. Nobody's open. Yeah. So, I mean, in the end, if anyone wants to go after Tom Brady, come through me because I guarantee you this guy is still capable of taking anyone that's really any good to the Super Bowl. Go back to Logan Mankins. Yeah. Think about what that says. You've got a young roster. You let go of your best linemen. You know your linemen are going to be in and out. You don't have a deep threat. All your speed is young players that haven't played. They've asked Tom to do this for the last four or five years, and he has done spectacular He's done the most with less than anyone in the league. Yeah. And this year, it's finally too much. What's changed? Like, what was wrong? <laughs> we have, we've had those feelings here. Steve Young here. sounded so right there. But he, No, but <laughs> Steve Young got kicked to the he curb. He makes a lot of sense. And he got wrapped up with Dilfer mm. and that. Like, those guys are idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. But Steve Young said, he's not dead yet. They just got to figure it out. Steve Young said the team didn't do enough to put around Brady. And at the time, they were working on a 10-year drought. He was right then. He was right then. Dilfer was more wrong. Do you know what I get crushed for for saying around this time? What's that? The window close. Yeah. Oh, you guys used to have that sound. Window close. We used to get so angry. You guys played that sound. They were working on a 10-year drought, and I thought they're they're never going to put enough around this Jim, remember the window sounder Jimmy would always play? Oh, my God. They're going to waste the end of Brady's career. I did. I felt that way, and I don't regret saying it, by the way. That was the Brady in decline year, right? Yeah. I didn't say Brady, Brady was in the six show. No, hold on, hold on. No, you can put that on Felger boy. Mass. He was window boy. I, I was talking about the team and what was around him. I'm with Steve Young. Lockstep with Young, by the way. Don't put me in the in the Brady sucks scam. Don't do that to me. Uh-uh. Don't do that to me. I felt that way. I legitimately felt concerned that they were not going to do enough to make themselves a contender again that they were on the 10-year drought, that they were going to keep getting close and not do enough to do it and get over the top. And clearly, yeah. that's not the case. They won it that year. They won it twice more. <laughs> they, they've done enough. They had enough. But that was a train wreck. And, and they started that season two and two, and they had that, that Raiders game that was here before that Kansas City oh, game. That's right. I don't know if anyone remembers that Raiders game. I do. But they maybe should have lost that game, too. They were lucky to win that game at home. They could have easily have been one and three at the time. Lucky it was the Raiders. They're lucky it was the Raiders because they played terrible in that game too the week before. And they did not look like a very good football team, which is a great part of their story. Was Kerry in twenty fourteen? Who was the quarterback? And after that game, Bert Breer, Belichick, well, on on to Cincinnati those two. Coach, your team has been so successful for so long. How difficult is it to react to the adversity of Monday night to get back on track so quickly? Because from a condition standpoint, this team and this organization hasn't had these sort of issues in the past. And yeah, but we're on to Cincinnati. Bill, do you think, you mentioned Tom's age at the draft. I mean, we're on to Cincinnati. Do you, well, do you think having a 37-year-old? We're on to Cincinnati. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. Okay, is there, is, do you feel like the talent you have here is good? We're getting ready for Cincinnati. What is your response, Bill? Well, I mean, I, I'm just asking, do you think you've done enough to help Tom Brady? We're getting ready for Cincinnati. That's what we're doing. So as you get ready for Cincinnati, does Tom Brady have the talent and protection around him to be on to Cincinnati? And have we're going to game plan and do the best we can to be ready to go Sunday night, same as we always do. Nothing's changed. <laughs> uh, it'll live on forever. What a week. What a week. <laughs> it, was, it was Giardi asking him about Garoppolo, right? What a week. Think about making a quarterback change, Coach. Yeah. yeah. Reevaluating the quarterback position. I don't think we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Least of our problems. I don't think we're going to do that. Uh, they lost twice more that season after the Kansas City game. They lost that game at Green Bay. Yeah, that game. Real came. quick here, too. What? Going back to some of the calls there, like that Garoppolo little highlight. It was in a preseason. As we sit here, we kind of blend what we're doing now with Stidham 
Like, I knew then you had your backup. I didn't know that yet with Stidham. That's your difference. I told Felger this. I went on with Felger. Like, yeah, the ball's coming out a little different. I said, he's no Jimmy. But you knew then. I knew then Jimmy had something. Stidham's good. We'll see if he's Jimmy. He's not Jimmy yet. But we knew then. You've got uh, the loss of Green Bay, which is a good game. It was a really good game. Really good game. That was one of the most fun games I've had calling in a loss. Really? Uh, They didn't have all their equipment guys on that trip, as we learned in the uh, Wells report. (laughs) Uh, They also dropped on at the end of the year at Buffalo, or at home against Buffalo. But that didn't matter. The end of the year. Week 17. Didn't matter. Useless. That was gift wrapped. Yeah. Didn't matter. And so then it came down to the playoffs. And they had to break the glass. In that one. Break glass if needed. They needed to break out all the stops Kitchen against sink. Baltimore. Kitchen they sink. needed to throw everything at Baltimore to be able to beat Baltimore at home in the divisional round. Before we get to this next clip, we got to talk about how hard Hardy worked this whole season working on these Patriots things. This is when he was doing oh. the MC Zosi raps right. every week. You were doing these every week, right? And I, I could not pronounce Michael Omanawanui. I could not pronounce his name until Hardy did his little jingle at Christmas time. Oh, that's right. That was the Christmas jingle. Oh, but yeah, the, the MC, the MC Zosi raps were, I don't even know how they started, but I must they started have, in that Kansas city game. He, he, Sosi had rhymed a few times and we kind of played it back and had fun with it. And then you got the idea to start do these. Okay. Every week. So every well, creativity. Yeah. Every week. Well, first the rap and then more on throwing the kitchen sink at, at the Ravens. Anybody doubt Joe Flacco right now? Anybody? It's amazing. We're down 14 zip. Patriots have no idea what they're in for. None of us None of us did. Left foot forward. Tom drops back. Brady. Brady's going to run. Get on his back. It's like a three-point shooter. You got to shoot to get hot. Brady. Let's go. Tempo. Quick, quick, quick. So let me tell your mother who you f***ing with. Amendola along with Grant Edelman. Motions out club. Quick throw for Julian. Setting up a screen. He's going to look to throw down. Oh, yes, indeed, it's fun time, fun time. Touchdown, Patriots! Hunts to the 40. What a read by McCourty. Touchdown, Patriots! From the Patriot 36. Harvin makes the pick. Patriots is headed to the AFC Championship for the fourth straight year. Year, year. I don't need sleep. I remember when I had my first beer. Hey, this is what makes us different. It really does. This is what separates us from other stations. Mike Thomas talked about this on Toucher and Rich. Rich's production value, Hardy, Hardy's versatility amongst all the shows here. And it's just, he's, I don't want to say you're indispensable, but you're indispensable. Oh, wow. Well. You really are. Uh, that whole season, though, my God. That, How much that, work did you put into those? Way How many too hours much. did you spend on that? Way too much. He enjoyed it. He likes the Beastie Boys. He can sit there in his little studio. I mean, the final result is incredible. I'm not going to lie. Hardy would be pro- I'd be producing the games in the studio here, and Hardy would send me a text in the middle of the third quarter. Hey, I need that from Sosi right now. Oh it's going to rhyme with this. <laughs> She's like, what? I would roll on the entire games at home and then just like make note of when one of them would finish a phrase with a word and then like have this little list of words like 40, McCordy. And, you know, I'd have all these lines, you know, drawn back and forth. At, 40 McCoy. Yeah, it, it, it looked, like, looked like something from a beautiful mind. It, it all made sense to me. But, you know, there were patterns. You had to identify patterns within the chaos yes. and then go back and, and Passing attack. somehow, back. Yes. somehow right. make it all run. Yes. So in that game against the Ravens, four and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. Patriots trailing by a touchdown. 28-21 was the situation. The Patriots needed to go to an emergency play. They needed to uh, break the glass as I like to say. And it was Julian Edelman with a pass, the double pass. It was a pass from Brady behind the line of scrimmage to Edelman. Edelman throws a deep pass down the sideline to Danny Amendola for a touchdown. Real quick here, too. And the it's, Patriots. It's it's the only time I, I felt our booth shake. The stadium shook. Shook. I was in the press box at the stadium when it happened, and the floor was, you you couldn't just feel it. You could see it. The entire building was shaking. It was visible. <laughs> no other time. You knew. No other you time. You could it see like it that. moving. Yeah. Never have seen that. Two fourteen point deficit. Hadn't seen True. it to that point. Haven't seen it since. They were down fourteen zip. They were down twenty eight fourteen. They're coming back. That place shook, and it was unbelievable. So here is the do your job special, where the Patriots talk about that play and talk about how they nearly used the play in what was their worst loss of the year, the Kansas City game. And 
Well, how they didn't and how they were able to use it in the Baltimore game with their season on the line. You know, we're down by seven, right? And Josh and I just looked at each other, and it, it came out of our mouth at the same time, like, let's go to the double pass. I don't need any lead time for the double pass, do I? I mean, I don't have to tell you it's coming. Okay. Amendola along with Brock. Now Edelman motions out of luck. Quick throw for Julian, setting up a screen. He's going to look to throw down. We went away from letting anybody other than Tom throw the ball for quite a while um, because we had another time where we let somebody throw the ball in New York and it ended up in an interception. And I can remember the staff meeting that we had after that game. Never again, you know, with Tom Brady as our quarterback, will we need to have somebody else throw the ball. Not, and not necessarily. It was early in training camp, and, you know, I talked to Josh, and we need to get some just – misdirection plays in, plays that are a little bit different. And I said, like, what do you think about the double pass? You know, Edelman can throw. And he gave me that look like, you're the one who said nobody other than Brady is going to throw the ball for us. I said, yeah, yeah, it's been a decade. Maybe let's, let's give Edelman a chance. Of course, any time that Edelman hit it, then he would come into the meeting after practice and, you know, have ice on his shoulder like a quarterback would. And, you know, coach got to take care of my arm. It was actually run in the Kansas City game, and we had a second option on the double pass that if we didn't get the defensive look, that we would opt out of the double pass and that we would go to our slant route at the bottom to Brandon LaFell. You can see up top, Danny Amendola telling him to stop, to not show the double pass. We don't run the double pass. You can't tell we're doing it at the bottom. And Brandon LaFell, ironically, scores on this play. In hindsight, obviously, that was going to be critical to our season because if we don't have the players execute the part of not giving away the double pass, then we don't have this play available for us in in the uh, biggest game of the year when we needed it versus Baltimore. Glad they didn't blow it in Kansas City. Unbelievable. Glad they didn't use that one up. They needed it. They needed everything. (laughs) They needed everything. It got them to the Super Bowl. It really got them to the next game, which was the AFC title game at home against an overmatched opponent, the Indianapolis Colts. It was wet. It was sort of cold that night. I think you remember the night, right? Oh, God, yeah. Well, that was the night that Deflategate happened. As it came to be known. <clears throat> yeah, that was that game where the balls were allegedly underinflated. Someone let some air out. Allegedly. Uh, Mike Kensel. We've never played back the first couple of minutes of Toucher and Rich, their reaction at the time, Gresham Zoe or Felger and Maz, the initial reaction on the station to the reports. Well, there was never any time. It went on, and there was new stuff seemingly like every day for weeks, and then there were you know, developments with the reports and the responses to the reports, so we never had time really to go back and like... But it was quick. Kind I mean, of Bob, put it, Bob Kravitz had that report the night of the game. And it was weird, man, and because... Oh, about uh, 11 of 12 by two pounds or more that stayed up for a year and a half? You mean that report? I had the... Yeah, that tweet. The night of the AFC Championship game, it was out. I had a sit-down where I had to to sort of mediate a conversation between Roger Goodell and Sean McManus, who's the head of CBS at the time, and I think it was Les Moonves, too, um, at Robert's house the night before, which was the AFC Championship party. So at that time, based on all the information that you had, based on emails, that Goodell knew at that time. So here is the reaction from both this station and from abroad, national media, ESPN. Also, you'll hear... Bob Kravitz and his TV report on this. Have a listen. Play being held up right now in the rain. Phil Sims and Jim Nance conversing over on CBS north, next door in the booth. To our left, Brady and company waiting for Walt Anderson and the officials. Don't understand really well. Allow play to proceed. It would just start a confusion apparently over whether there was a TV timeout. How can you have a TV timeout to start the second half after a kick? But play is being held up by the officials on the field. CBS is staying with it. We should. 
And now the ball placed down on the far hash, right hash of the 13. Patriots again to break from the huddle. More breaking news stemming from last night's AFC title game, a new development overnight following last night's Colts-Patriots game. Now the Patriots might have another cheating scandal on their hands. Dave Calabro and Bob Kravitz have the exclusive report this morning. Well, good morning, everybody. Dave Calabro with Bob Kravitz. We're back at the hotel in the middle of the night getting some uh, breaking news, Bob. What have you learned? Uh, a league source tells me that uh, the NFL is uh, investigating the New England Patriots for possibly deflating the footballs in the AFC championship game. Nobody is beginning to suggest that that's the reason that the Colts lost, but that is an issue that they're going to take a look at. Yeah, a lot of people say, well, who cares? The Colts got blown out. Why does this matter at this point? Well, I mean, it's not the reason they lost, but the reason it's important is that the Colts are a passing team and the Patriots like to run the ball. And a deflated football is very, very difficult to throw. Uh, This stupid deflating football thing. I don't care if they took all the air out of everything. I mean, can you just... Leave the team alone for five <laughs> seconds. I mean, they dominated that game. No one's arguing that it was that because they was that. But deflating the footballs. Okay, so what's the penalty for deflating the football? Losing draft picks. It's a big deal. No, there's losing draft picks and there's losing seventh round draft picks. Like, did you, is it a big deal that Woody Johnson might be uh, called out for tampering? The history of losing picks for that is like sixth or seventh round picks. No, I would argue that that's not a big deal. I mean, uh, what what are the what's the percentage of seven round seventh rounders uh, having an effect? But isn't that with the deflating of balls? Isn't this so easy just to end it? The NFL can just speak up and say, according to reports, that they weighed the one of the balls and at the beginning of the Kravis, half. According to Bob Kravis, there should be some kind of statement today. Because all you need to do, okay, put it this way: if it if everything was fine, all the NFL has to say is we weighed the ball and everything was fine. Then it's done and it's over with. People can shut up about it. But if for some reason they find that it wasn't the right weight, then I guess you do have to kind of go back and you have to find out whether the circumstance was malicious, whether there's any tape or any cameras that are on the person who is the keeper of the balls on the sidelines. I mean, there's a lot of restrictions that try to prevent this from happening. The the referees have these balls, which, by the way, we've learned a thousand times this morning that each team has their own. It's like 12 of each, but the refs open them up. So let's just get down to it here and ask the quarterback. If the football's got a little less air in it, is it easier to grip or does it make it tougher to spin it and get the spiral that you want? Makes it tougher to spin it. Um, we have some of the most non-athletic people here in this building, but sometimes during breaks and you know, we have a crazy morning zoo show that they, they've taken me outside and I've tried to uh, injure you know the, the, the phone screener. And, uh, you know, he doesn't catch the ball well, but we used to have a football. And uh, nice football, but uh, didn't have much air in it. And you could, it was kind of squishy a little bit. You could almost squeeze it too hard. Can't throw a spiral. Can't throw a spiral with a deflated ball. That ball needs, I said, pump this sucker up, and then we'll tee this thing up, and then I'll light him up. And that's what we did. And we intended to injure Adolfo that way. Um, <clears throat> here's what's funny is that... Um, Okay, so they got the right ball in there then. If it was deflated, Brady Brady went, what, 8 of 8 to start the second half? Right, 8 of 8. And he had issues throwing the ball in the first half and underthrew Gronkowski where he didn't put it up high for him to go get it. I mean, what are you, what are you trying here? I mean, how much sour grapes is this? Do you take it as sour grapes? It's almost worse than what was last week. You know, why can't they be a great team? Why can't it be that it didn't affect the outcome and they were still dinking around with the balls? Is that possible? Sure, it's possible. Absolutely. All right. Beetle, has anything come out on that? Is there any, you know, uh, I'm, I'm eager to hear Goodell's in- <coughs> investigation. little question and answer with you guys. Uh, deflating the balls. Does that sound like something they would do? Of course. Absolutely. It sounds like something they would do. Beetle, does that sound like something they would do? Sure. I think, I think any team would do that. Do you think it affected the outcome of the game? Uh, not even close. No. Do you think they're capable of doing something like that? Does it sound like something they would do? Is that even debatable? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, question number three. Uh, do you have confidence that the league, if the Patriots were doing something wrong, that Roger Goodell will get to the bottom of it or want to get to the bottom of it? 
No. I have no confidence in the league. No. I told you a long time ago, Goodell's credibility is gone. See you later. Zero. Shot. Kaput. Yep. When, when, when Goodell was on the rocks, who was his staunchest supporter? Robert Kraft. Beetle, your confidence in Goodell getting to the bottom of it? Uh, none. I have no confidence in the guy whatsoever. Okay. I just think it's laughable that there is even going to be an investigation. Uh, why? A little bit of air being let out of the football? Really? Well, so this is what I'm curious about. And I, I, I don't think we're, we're going to get the answer of, uh, to it because I, don't, I think Goodell's going to take care of Kraft no matter what. But I'm curious what uh, Indianapolis has. I'm curious if the Colts have any physical evidence. You know, did they see a ball boy on the Patriots side deflating the balls? On our broadcast tonight, full denial from Patriots quarterback Tom Brady and from his coach as a football inflation scandal remains bigger than the upcoming Super Bowl as the question remains who or what was responsible. Tonight, caught in a pressure cooker. Is Tom Brady a cheater? Quarterback Tom Brady responds to reports that the Patriots used deflated footballs in the AFC championship game. Those balls were deflated. Somebody had to do it. Um, And I don't believe there's an equipment manager in the NFL that would, on his own initiative, deflate a ball without the starting quarterback's approval. Um, I I just... I just didn't believe what Tom Brady had to say. You, you seem pretty emotional about this. Well, you know, it's, it's disappointing. The game between the Seahawks and the Patriots will be played 10 days from now, and today was consumed by allegations that the Patriots had an edge in getting there. The integrity of the most popular sport in America is being called into question just days before its biggest game. Did the New England Patriots cheat their way into the Super Bowl? If you're a cheater... And you're a multiple-time cheater. I would say to the New England Patriots, you know what we're going to do if this was found to be true, like today, tomorrow, next 72 hours, next few years, you know what? You're forfeiting your spot in the Super Bowl. We're vacating it. Get out. You're a cheater. You're a lying franchise. If true, if you can prove it, get out. That's such a bad take. What a, I, what a putz. Oh, <laughs> Two of the oh, biggest. Man. I mean, obviously, Patriots got nailed. They, 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 they oh, did what they had to do. Five years and later, we that know take what, still blows. We know what the flake it is. But the two biggest morons that come out of that is Wilbon and Mark Brunel crying. Crying on the set of ESPN. Let's assume they did it and they were caught red-handed and they videotaped the entire thing. Even if you had that take then, you'd still have a bad take. <laughs> Even if there was definitive, undeniable, undisputable like fact that, that it had happened. What? You're Come forfeiting on. your spot in the Super Bowl. We're vacating it. Oh, stop it. Oh, you know what? Yeah, put the Colts in. Get that, out of here. Get the hell out of well, here. Well, that score, Ben. That's such a bad take. <laughs> bad take. Uh, after that all went down, that week was wild. The whole build-up to the Super Bowl was crazy. It was dominated by this, by the underinflated footballs. And Belichick had a Monday conference call. Right. It was his first public comments uh, since the game, obviously, and since his post-game press conference. just want to start by leading off with uh, the news on the NFL saying it's looking into the footballs being used um, in the game with one Indianapolis report suggesting that perhaps the Patriots intentionally deflated the footballs or maybe a football in the game, and I was curious what your response is to that. Uh, that you know, we'll cooperate fully with whatever, um, you know, whatever the league wants us to, whatever questions they ask us, whatever they want us to do. Did you know as the game was going on last night that there was potentially an issue? Was any concern brought to you at the time of the game? No, I didn't know anything about it until this morning. Did this amuse you, Bill, this topic by any chance? Uh, excuse me? Oh. I'm just curious what you think of the topic. I, the idea that we're talking about deflated footballs. I, I, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm just trying to get my hands around it, too. I, I don't quite... I'm just curious what you think it's, of the topic and if that could potentially be an advantage for a team. You're asking the questions. I'm just trying to answer them. <laughs> Do I amuse you? <laughs> Does this amuse you? What am I? Clown? This whole thing is funny, right, Phil? What? Couple hey, of, just trying to wrap couple up. of Joe Pesci references there, because then you had the Mona Lisa Vito reference uh, oh, in his right. press Good conference point, later in the week, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm not a scientist. 
I'm not an expert in footballs. I'm not an expert in football measurements. I'm just telling you what I know. would not say that I'm Mona Lisa Vito of the football world as she was in the car expertise area. Can you answer the question? No, it is a trick question. Why is it a trick question? Because Chevy didn't make a 327 in 55. The 327 didn't come out till 62. And it wasn't offered in the Bel Air with a four-barrel carb till 64. However, in 1964, the correct ignition timing would be four degrees before top dead center. I mean, I've seen the movie, you know, 50 times, so. Betty. She was the best. That's all-time great expert witness. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be that. That's Bill Belichick and do your job again. Brilliant. Credit to Mona Lisa Vito in My Cousin Vinny. Obsessed with Marissa Tomei like George Costanza. This hour brought to you by Safety Insurance. Providing comprehensive coverage for your family and small business. Ask your independent agent about safety. Um, The press conferences, that press conference, the Mona Lisa Vito one was out of nowhere. It was like 4 o'clock on a Saturday. Bill called it. At a last minute, the media had heard rumblings that he might call a press conference, and he did. It was a last-minute thing, and he did it out of the blue. Brady, on the other hand, held his press conference, and I don't think it went well. It was not perceived well when it happened. It's one of Brady's I have no moments. knowledge of anything. I have no knowledge of any uh, wrongdoing of any... Nobody did anything Yeah, I'm very comfortable saying that. I'm very comfortable saying that nobody did it. As far as I know, I don't know everything. I also understand that I was in a locker room preparing for a game for five hours. I don't know what happened over the course of the process with the footballs, I was preparing for my own job and doing what I needed to do. He did not come off good in that press conference. Just, it made, it they, was his they, worst press conference he had ever done. There's ones where times where Stacy, you know, like two more questions, that's it, and we're gone. They tried to cut he it was short. Out there for a half an hour. And he stayed yep. and he stayed. And I'm like, get off, get off the podium, get off the podium, get out, get off the stage. We follow the rules. Stop we, letting them ask questions. We follow the rules. We do everything by the book. I don't know what this is. Has there ever been a time where he seemed less emphatic about something? Like he is deliberate, you know, confident. I don't think I, I mean, I don't think I did. Bill was emphatic. Brady was not. Robert Kraft, when he hit the ground in Phoenix oh, for Super Bowl 49, emphatic. I want to make it clear that I believe unconditionally that the New England Patriots have done nothing inappropriate in this process or in violation of NFL rules. If the Wells investigation is not able to definitively determine that our organization tampered with the air pressure in the footballs, I would expect and hope that the league would apologize to our entire team, and in particular, Coach Belichick and Tom Brady, for what they have had to endure this past week emphatic that's what it is that's what that was mm. and the patriots were able to put all of this behind them play the super bowl against the seahawks a hard hitting hard fought game what a super bowl that was a great game that was a great super great bowl game. and great now game. that they've won two more i don't know that it's remembered uh, you know as vividly as maybe it would have been otherwise but that was I, a hell of a game. I still remember we we did our roundtable for the three games to glory after the comeback against Atlanta. And everybody thinks that's the greatest one because you're down. Nobody ever comes back from 25 down. I said, oh, no, I digress. I said, Super Bowl 49 was a better Super Bowl. That's number one to me. That's Those teams beat the bag out of that, each other. You were yeah. down they 10. They physically beat the crap out of each other. You were down in that 10 game. to the best defense in the league in the fourth quarter. And it was all on your quarterback. And he was getting battered, and he hung in there, and they made plays. Edelman getting knocked out, staying in the game. Drop your nuts. Shaughnessy pissed off. Trenny pissed off. <laughs> Deal with it. You know I what you do? You remember that. You drop your nuts, and you win Super Bowls, <laughs> and you stand on top of duck boat. God forbid you get taken out of a game for 10 minutes. That was one of your first shows together. One of them. It was like, it's like a oh, second show. That pissed me off more than anything. Here it is. How they did it. They won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 49. Welcome to University of Phoenix Stadium, where the grandest stage in American sport is set for Super Bowl 49 between the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. And Super Bowl 49 is underway with a kick sailing left to right. Tom throws to the end zone, left side, and the ball's intercepted. Picked off by Lane. I cannot tell you 
However you felt in Indianapolis prior to that half, this one was worse. A lot of mental toughness. Our team's had it all year, and we never uh, doubted each other. Brady, quick throws, underneath, touchdown Patriots. He finds LaFell on the flat. And New England strikes first in Super Bowl 49. Second down snap to Brady, drops back. He lobs it to the right side for Gronkowski. Has a step, has a touchdown. Patriots! And the spike! Seattle with six seconds to go. The ball down on the 10. Shotgun snap and a throw to the left side. Leaping grab by Matthews. Brings it down. Touchdown, Seattle. Made the catch in front of Logan Ryan. Wow. Gutsy, gutsy call by Pete Carroll. A play fake by Russell Wilson. Stands it, lobs the throw deep down the left side. That ball is going to be caught! Twisting catch again by Matthews. You're looking at Matthews as the MVP of this football game right now. And you got to get Kyle Harrington off. Shotgun snap to Brady. Pass is going to be intercepted. Force that one to Gronkowski. Well, you got to be careful here, man. This is where that game can turn. Russell Wilson sets up in the end zone. Lobs one. A wide open receiver falling for a touchdown for Seattle. We saw Richard Sherman going 24-24. Here's what he was saying. Drell Revis, 24 just got beat. Bill Belichick talking to Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady. That's the first time I've ever seen him go over and get on a knee and talk to his quarterback and his offensive coordinator. Shotgun snap to Tom. Play fake to blood. Shuffles left. Fires back to the end zone. Touchdown New England! Danny Amendola! He got life. Tom short drop. Looks left. Throws for Edelman. Touchdown Patriots! They're back in the lead in Super Bowl 49! 2-0-2 left with Fink C. Dyer. What do you do in life? You go right to people that you can depend on. And it's been all year long. Number 12, number 11. What Trent Dilfer say that the Patriots are the worst team, they don't can't win. You know, it's, it's unbelievable to hear that man say that. It's embarrassing for him. Wilson at a first and 10, fires down the right side. He's got Kirsch, and the ball is knocked incomplete. Good play again by Malcolm Butler. Oh. Kirsch catches. He caught it on the carrom. Unreal. Like shades of David Tyler. It, it was surreal that that even happened. I was like, man, they got like about a minute left and they just made like a 50 yard bomb. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Uh-huh. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. Intercepted. 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 Receivers came out. I knew one was coming up, the other was coming over. It was clutch time. I knew we needed it, so I just just went on and made the play. And the Patriots have possession with 20 seconds to go in Super Bowl 49 with a four-point lead over the Seahawks. We got a good football team, and these guys fight you for 60 minutes. I'm so proud of all these players. I love these guys. Storch snaps it to Freddy, who takes the knee. And the New England Patriots are on to a celebration. A fourth Lombardi trophy is headed to one Patriot place. I mean, we just won the Super Bowl. We got critics now. I don't know what to say. Pass Nation, baby! Woo! You're going home to people who are just buried in snow, but you don't have a parade. Anything to say to them back there? Dig out, because we're coming. Our 10th anniversary today, this hour, brought to you by Safety Insurance, providing comprehensive coverage for your family and small business. Ask your independent agent about safety. I would just say that I was lucky enough to be with both Felger and Maz on the last flight that landed at Logan the morning after that Super Bowl before they closed the airport as Boston was, again, buried under snow you stayed in Phoenix for how many days? Uh, two more because we got they they got the team out, but then we had to stay with the team's family. But luckily enough, at that that, that ranch resort, they kept us in that back area. You with and the, the wives, side. yeah, 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 and yeah. kicking back at the pool, sending pictures of his feet at the pool, all of that stuff. And they said, order whatever you want. Oh, okay. Oh, that's never been a problem for Zoe. Just keep your bathing suit. <laughs> so we kept our bathing suits and. Uh, I kept in contact with Jim to update him on the oh, situation. That's kind of you. How about your family buried in four feet of snow? Oh, yeah. I don't think you care too much about. I that. got, I got many of pictures from Zoe by the pool. Honest yeah. to God, true story. I got back. I landed. I think was it Jim? Two or three members had the flu in my house, and I was supposed to come directly. Where I couldn't because everybody's puking at home. Oh, you must have felt really bad about that. I, I, I did. Yeah, I felt bad. I was already gone for. Tom a week. had to take the hotel. I had to pick him up at the hotel that week because <laughs> of blizzards. Dig out. Uh, all Dig I out. could think was, uh, you know, they warned us at the airport in Phoenix. They said we got to board this flight. We got to get out because they're closing Boston, and we want to try and get to Boston before they close it. Oh, and I'm like, I look at Maz and I go, "We're gonna get back," and he goes, "We're not gonna make it." Maz goes, 
we're not going to make it. And like he's, you know, Maz being Maz. That's it. We're not going to make it. They're going. We're going to go somewhere else. You guys are going to end up. Maz like, was like convinced we're not making it back. They're already talking about closing Logan. We're five plus hours from home. Could you imagine? We're not going to get there. If you he's like, we're not going to get York. there. And I'm like, well, whatever. We're going to get on. We're going to go somewhere. We're going to end up closer to home getting on this plane than we are now. Right. So Maz and I left the game probably ten fifteen minutes after it was over. We rushed to the car. You know, go straight to the airport. And Falgar was on the same flight, and he had to do an hour post game. And we're like, what are you doing? And we were just about to board the plane, and here comes Felger running through the terminal like OJ in the Hertz commercial. Didn't he leave his rental car like in the... Ditched the rental car with the keys in the front seat at the front door of the airport. Shut up. Hold up on to the curb? Yep. Pulled the rental car. You can ask him. Pulled the rental car up to the front of the front door of the airport, left the keys in the front seat, and said, "Not my problem." You know what? That takes balls. <laughs> big, the, big set. Called the rental car people and said, "Hey, go pick up your car. It's at the door." He's lucky. He said he had to make that flight because that was the last one getting out, and we made it back to Boston. And How, I couldn't believe he's it. lucky. Fans, I, we were the last one, him. and there was another flight they that track left. Your name. There was another flight that left after us, shortly after us, and they sent them to Philly. And they got stuck in Philly for days. They were trying to take trains back oh. and rental cars. And, oh, brutal. Imagine getting stuck We made it back. Oh. Uh, yes, we did. We made it back. So the most exciting moment, though, for me was just uh, being able to see you and your element, though, though. That final call of the game. Oh, and uh, Warren Moon was uh, literally three feet from me. Just basically. We were in one booth. Side. Seattle was in the next booth. And the only thing separating was a pane of glass. And when Butler made the pick. So start slamming, banging on the glass. Cutting my throat. And he's going. <laughs> <laughs> Doing that, the head. Freedom Rockets. The cut off. Freedom hey, Rockets. Baby. Cutting the head off. <laughs> banging on the glass. And they're looking at him like. You were going nuts. Who is this animal? Thomas was going nuts. Everybody was, was packed in our booth. Nuts. And um, I, I don't know where we tracked this down. I don't remember how we tracked this down, but maybe I explain it in this clip because I did track down this exclusive audio of the, you know, stream of uh, this audio stream of the call. And we played it on Felger Mass. So this is the clip from me debuting the audio on Felger Mass. Right, okay. Jim? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Let's hear it. Here's the exclusive audio. It comes from Sunday night's game. Uh, you will find it to be familiar because you will hear Scott Zolak in this piece of audio. It's so isolated in the booth on the Malcolm Butler pick on Sunday night. Now, as part of this, you don't hear Bob Sosie's mic. You don't hear the crowd mic. You hear Zoe's mic. So you hear things a little bit better as to what the hell was going on. Who was cacawing in the background? I, I really do think the cacawing was coming from the crowd. I don't think that piece was in the booth. You do get an idea of some people yelling in the booth. You may or may not hear my voice on there. That I'll leave that interpretation up to the listeners. You hear a lot of people in there. You may even hear mass. There was a lot of yelling in the booth when this went down. But this is Zolak isolated, and you could pay close attention to the points where he's not talking. It's a pass. It's good. He intercepted. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Oh, it's got to be one of the dumbest calls offensively in Super Bowl history. You are on the one-yard line, and you have number 24, and you drop back pass. Are you kidding me? And also, they ran a pick play, an illegal pick. You deserve an interception. <laughs> so the cacawing was Zoe laughing is what I think that that was. Yeah. But, Beetle, you were back in there a little bit. I could pick yes! up. <laughs> yes! Yes! Where did that come from? Oh, very that's good. Not, wait, that's not from the Let's game. Let's hear it again. We're, Let's hear it again. Like, yes! Uh, <laughs> yes! Yes! What is that from? Yeah, is that's that like from Fred this Flintstone back there. That's not, that's not from the game. It's not. Yeah, I knew it wasn't. <laughs> Good job, Jimmy. That was for me making fun of something. Uh, I may have been in there yelling yes, though. I yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! What was that for? I did that a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. Doing something. This was um, definitely an oh my God in there for me, though. I dropped an oh my God, and then a bunch of yeses did come later it's on. It's a pass. It's good. He intercepted. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, 
No way! You've got to be kidding me! Yes! <laughs> no, no, that's, that's you! That's hold you! Hold on, hold on, hold on. That's you. Jimmy, stop playing it. This is where you can hear it. Listen, close, listen closely. Now that's Jimmy. Stop it. Uh, good job, Jimmy. Stop it, Jimmy. Do your thing. I did there, drop kid. the oh my God in the beginning, though. Let's go. Hey, you just got that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no way. Yeah. You've got to be I can't even hear what I'm saying there, but I am screaming the whole time. Yeah, I lost my mind. By the way, Jimmy. I don't know what Zoe's getting all hot and bothered about. They had him on the next play. It wasn't, <laughs> no, right. What's the big deal? Oh, no. It's a matter of time, Mike. You were still going to stop him. Totally. This is, the, this is the Patriots now we're talking An about. An illegal pick. Wow. Mike Bevel. Mike. Oh, my God. In, in addition to the oh, my gods, you know, my other favorite part in there is Zoe's underrated but, but used throughout the year. Zoe going... Oh, <laughs> you know what it was? You know what I went? Oh, I, I watched the oh. replay. That's me watching a replay. I, I'm like, I can't believe. Oh, they were in an isolation. Drop back to one side. It was, it's a high score, King. Halo, what's a Halo, Halo. It's it's a good call. It's a good call. Oh, oh, it's a good call. If it works. <laughs> It's a good call if it works. But credit to Zoe on this, and he's done it throughout the years, and he did it again in that clip, whereas we goof on other color guys on Sounds of Sunday every single week for not telling you what happened. In the euphoria and the elation of that moment, the team sealing the Super Bowl victory when you would be well within your rights to just lose your mind and not do anything, Zoe goes back to the call and isolates the 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 no call on the pick play and explains what happened. Well, which simultaneously it, yelling and banging on glass and giving the choke sign, right. the slashing of the throat, right. and the freedom rockets to Warren Moon. While doing that, well, right. he was a jackass. Maybe you had him on a pregame. The guy can multitask like you wouldn't believe. Hard. Yeah. Remember, remember, Moon was on a pregame. I wish there were a video of that. Moon was on a pregame and he was pissed. He had to wait. For like a minute. What do you mean I'm coming back from break? You didn't come and get me when I was going on live? Like, who that for you? And Warren Moon. What do you got to do but go sit next door? Warren freaking Moon. God. He can throw, though. Warren Moon, bro. Yeah. Warren Moon. All right. uh, We are a minute away from the best of Radio Row. The best of Radio Row from the entire station. Not just this show. All of the shows, and we are presented today commercial-free by Aaron's The King of Snow by your Aaron Snow Thrower this upcoming tax-free weekend. So go nowhere just a minute away. The best of Radio Row.